for the reading of the scripture, which is found on page 1913, Revelation chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Here's the word of God. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. This is the word of God for the people of God. He may be seated. All right, well, to begin this message today, I'm going to be sitting down because I'm going to do a little something for the people on Facebook. Um, typically, they, you know, when you're on Facebook, they can't really see the TVs real well. So I'm going to pop up a couple slides that I think are very important for the people, for everybody to see. And so I need to be seated to do this. And I asked the people on Facebook to give me the feedback. Let me know if, it, if they liked it, if it worked out okay, because I won't actually be able to see what happens. And also, as I mentioned that we're looking for a person to help with the computer, you can do that from your home. If you're one of the people that watches on Facebook and you want to be able to help us out, you can do that from your home. I can train you to do that too. It would be easier if it was in person, but that's okay. So, we read from Revelation chapter 1 this morning. Now, um, something I forgot to mention in the announcements is I actually went to our general conference, or I'm sorry, our annual conference this past week for the Global Methodist Church. Spur of the moment decision to go, um, but I did go and I met someone there who was being ordained this weekend. And let me just tell you, 150 people being ordained in one weekend, that was pretty amazing. But um, this man asked me, he said, what are you preaching on Sunday? I said, Revelation chapter one. He goes, whoa, you're, you're brave. I was like, no, it's part of the Bible. It, everybody should be preaching on this. It's not a mystery. Well, it's a mystery, but everybody should preach on this. But there's something about this particular passage and revelation that I want to pull out for you. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Now, if you look at this stained glass window up here, um, we have, it might be hard to see, but we have the, the letters right under his hands, Alpha and Omega. And this is what they look like in, I'm sorry, that's not the right, there it is. This is what they look like in um, Greek. Alpha and Omega. Now, there are 26 letters in our English alphabet. Okay? 26 letters in our English alphabet. How many words can we make with 26 letters? How big is a dictionary? It's huge, right? It's amazing the words we can put together. And we make new words all the time. You know, 30 years ago, nobody knew what Google meant. But now, 25 years later, from their inception, it's in the dictionary. I mean, who? if I would have said to you 30 years ago, hey, just go Google that, you're like, Google? Where did you come up with that word? But we are constantly making new words. So we take these letters and we put them together to form the words that we speak, that we read, that we write, okay? 
We do it like second nature. We learn this in kindergarten, and maybe in preschool now. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. We know them all, and we know how to put them together. But in Hebrew, these words are different. And though we start with A and Z, in Hebrew, they start with Aleph and Tav. Aleph is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and Tav is the second letter, or I'm sorry, the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And you might be asking, Phil, you got it you got Tav first in Aleph. No, in Hebrew, they read from the le- right to the left. Every word is written from the right to the left. That just blows my mind as someone who's been writing left to right his whole life. But they write from right to left. Now, they only have 24 letters. We have 26, they have 24. But just as we have A and Z, they have Aleph and Tav. Now, between A and Z, as we said, we can make lots of words, okay? Between Aleph and Tav, they can make lots of words too. Now, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is written in those letters that begin with Aleph and end with Tav. So 24 letters to put together all these words for all these books in the Old Testament. You know, people write books all the time in English, and there's a lot of letters put together to make a lot of words. But the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, is put together with Aleph and Tav. Now, last week we talked about creation. Bereshit, Berah, Elohim, et Hayarim, Vayet HaHerez. And I'm not a good and proficient in Hebrew, but I just said in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in Hebrew. And if you're a Jewish person, if you know Hebrew, you're probably going to tell me just how terrible I sounded at that moment. But there is one particular word in Hebrew that is not translated in the English language. And that word is, if you can see that, I know it's kind of small, but if you can see that up there on the screen, it is seven Hebrew words. The first one is Bereshit, which is translated in the beginning. The second one is created, which is bara. The third one is Elohim, which is God. The fourth one is et. There's no English translation. The fifth one is Hashayim, which is the heavens. The sixth one is Vayet, which is and. And then Ha'arez is the earth, which is the seventh word. So what about that fourth word? Now, remember, they read from right to left, and they write from right to left on your screen. But what about that word that no matter if you go from left to right or right to left, it's right there in the middle. It's the fourth word either way. You probably can't see it from here. But what it is, is this word right here, Aleph and Tav. And Aleph and Tav, the first and last, it's not a word in Hebrew. Now, if we understood Hebrew, this would be kind of like the word the, a, or an, an. It's like an article. But it always is used to describe the person that is coming after this word. So it's used to describe 
the person that comes before the word, actually, because we read right to left. Um, so it's used to describe God. And what it's saying is, God is the beginning and the end. The word God, the next word is not translated, but it describes the previous word. It's describing God. It's saying he's the beginning and the end. Now, if Jesus said, I am the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, who was, who is, and who will be the Almighty, Jesus is saying, I'm God. And the Bible is telling us this in the first seven words of the Hebrew Bible. So, what's the significance of all this? Why am I telling you this? <clears throat> so, these four words, or these seven words, are extremely important in ways that I don't have time to describe. They actually tell the entire story of salvation in the first seven words. But I don't have time to describe that. But this particular word, the fourth word, is so important because it is the fourth word. Now, if I've lost you already, I'm sorry, but just hang on because I'm going to make sense of all this. Okay? The number four, when the kids came up for the children's message, I saw four candles on that little toy. The number four is insanely important in the Bible. It's insanely important in our world. The fourth word in the Bible is so incredibly important. Give me a second here. I got to get people on Facebook back to being able to see. So insanely important, the fourth word, and number four. Let me ask you, how many Gospels are there? Four. How many seasons do we have? Four. Does anybody know, if you're reading the Bible all the way through in our one-year plan that we started in September, we just recently read a whole bunch of chapters on the tabernacle. Does anybody remember how many posts hold up that curtain to the Holy of Holies? That's right, four. Four posts holding up. There were symbols on the curtain. You know how many symbols were on the curtain? Four. Four is extremely important. We have four seasons. The calendar is broken into four quarters. And Jesus, in Revelation chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 5, said he is referred to as the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Okay? Way back in Genesis, I don't remember the exact chapter, 47, 48, Jacob refers to Judah as like a lion cub. And then we go to Revelation chapter 5, and we see that Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Do you know that Judah is the fourth child of Jacob? The fourth child of Jacob. And where did Jesus come from? Which line? Judah. Matthew, chapter 1, makes it so clear to us. He, said, he starts and he goes from Adam to Abraham to... Um, he goes all the way through, through David and through everybody, and we see how Jesus comes from the line of Judah. You want even more? How many chapters are in the book of Ruth? Four. Guess what that book is about? Is it a love story? It's about Jesus. And there's four chapters in that book. I'm telling you, it's in there everywhere. Anytime you see the number four in the Bible, take notice. Because it's going to be something about Jesus. So, where am I going with all this? Well, here's some other places we see four. Daniel 3.25. You know the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? 
in a fiery furnace. Daniel 3.25, Behold, I see four men unbound and walking in the fire unharmed. Three were thrown in. Now they're seeing four. Who's the fourth one? Jesus walking in that fire. We read in Revelation, if we were to continue on, we see four beasts surrounding the throne of God. Now, where else are those four beasts represented? There's four symbols on the curtain to the Holy of Holies, and they just so happen to mimic the four beasts that we see in heaven. And I saw Revelation 7.1. I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds. Guess who's coming next? Jesus. It's in there everywhere. And where else do we see four? How many points are on a cross? If I go like this, four points on a cross. This is not coincidence. This is God's creative work in our lives, and we see it every day. And a lot of times we don't realize it. So, he has mentioned so often in such symbolism, why is that important to us? A to Z, everything's made in between, right? If we read a book, we're reading from letters that are made from the beginning to the end, and there's no, nothing. Now, we can add numbers in there, sure, but we read numbers with the words that spell them. You know, like the number nine is N-I-N-E. So it, they even have letters to spell them. So when you say that you are the alpha and the omega, the alpha and the tav, the A and the Z, or whatever language you want to use, A and Z in Spanish, if I'm getting that right, it's talking about everything in between. He's all-encompassing. So what we're saying here is, Jesus is saying, I am everything. I am everything. I'm everything, all-encompassing. There is nothing outside of me. Nothing. You can't create anything outside of him. You can't make words outside of him. You can't breathe outside of him. You can't drive a car outside of him. How's Jesus help us drive a car? Well, in the creation, God gave us a mind to be able to understand instructions and learn laws and be able to put things in motion. Our lives, we are who we are because of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So everything we do in this life is because of Jesus. And everything in the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, points to Jesus. Let me give you another example here. He is in creation. Genesis 1.26, let us create man in our image. We talked about that last week. Joseph, here at this church, we did a play years ago. Ten years ago, was it? At least, okay. And in it, we see a young boy who's rejected by his brothers, who's raised up to be a king, and brings people out of famine and gives them food and feeds them. That is a picture of Jesus. About a year ago, we did a Bible study on, on how Jesus is in the Old Testament, and that was one of the things we talked about. Moses redeemed the Israelites from slavery, and he was taken by God into heaven. 
Jesus redeems us from slavery to sin and was taken by God into heaven. Elijah, hated by evil, Jezebel, who represents evil, performed miracles, healed the sick, taken by God into heaven. Jesus was hated by Satan, tried to tempt him in the wilderness for how long? Forty days. The number four is still in there. And he was hated by evil, and then he performed miracles. He healed the sick, and he was taken by God into heaven. Isaiah tells us that the virgin shall give birth to a child. We know the Christmas story very well, right? Isaiah 9, 6, the, the virgin shall be with child and shall give birth. Now, we read in Luke chapter 2 that this young girl named Mary, who was a virgin, suddenly is pregnant, and she gives birth to whom? Jesus. And then David was established on the throne of God as king. And where was David from? Would you believe it? The line of Judah. He came through Judah, and so did Jesus. So all these things, I know I'm throwing a lot at you right now, but what I'm trying to show you is that everything in the Bible points to Jesus. I can pull out every single book of the Bible, all 66 of them, and show you where you can find Jesus. It's real easy in the first four books of the New Testament. But every other book, I can pull out Jesus somewhere in all of them. It's all about him. So now, we have all of this information, and we see that God wanted to make it crystal clear that his son is the Messiah, then why do the Jews not believe? They're the ones who know the Old Testament better than anybody. Because of their rebellion, because of their unbelief, God has put a veil over their eyes. That curtain that was torn, we're going to get to that in a second, by the way, that's kind of like the veil that was put over their eyes, but it will be lifted someday. There are people that believe that right now what's going on in Israel is the beginning of that veil being lifted. That remains to be seen. I'm not saying it is or it's not. That remains to be seen. But let's talk about that tabernacle that we read about here the last, this past week, if you were reading the, the one-year plan. We're in Exodus, the latter part of Exodus. We see all of these different parts. You know, there's this big courtyard, and then there's a, a, an altar. You go through the door, and there's an altar, and then there's a, a little um, basin for, with water. Then you go through another curtain, and then you see showbread, which represents communion. You see incense, which represents prayer. You see a lampstand, which represents the Spirit of God, the light of the world. You see all these things, and then you see another curtain, and so there's like three parts. Now, if we were Jewish, we would know what those three parts are called. Does anybody know what they're called? The first part, the door you go in before you get to the altar, that is the way. Okay? The way. Once you get into the um, second part where you see the showbread and you see this lampstand and you see the, the incense, that part is called the truth. That's what the Jewish people have called it over the years. When you get into the Holy of Holies, where, where God would descend and once a year, someone would go back there and, and make atonement for the people. That's called the life. Now, let's think about this for a minute. John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. 
Anybody else get goosebumps? <laughs> the Jewish people have been calling this the way, the truth, and the life since they built the tabernacle in the wilderness. And Jesus says to Jewish people in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They knew exactly what he was talking about. He is the tabernacle. So for all of you who are asking me this week, what's all this information about the tabernacle? I wanted to tell you so bad, but I wanted to wait for today to, to explain it. It's about Jesus. And if we continue on in Revelation, we see what John sees. He's seeing heaven. He's seeing the tabernacle in heaven. It's a representation of heaven. It's a representation of Jesus that's why God had us read all those seven chapters about the tabernacle, and we're like, I can't wait till we get to the Matthew part. It's good stuff. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets through that first door to the Father, who is in the Holy of Holies, unless they go through Jesus. When we put our faith in Him, when we believe even though we may not be able to fully comprehend, even, may, even though I might throw you a piece of paper and say, write down everything I just said, and you might not be able to do it. Do you believe? That's the thing that's important. Not can I repeat this. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God who died on a four-point cross and shed his blood so that we could be redeemed to God. And we also read this week, when Jesus died, that curtain in the temple was torn from the top to the bottom to symbolize that we now have direct access to God through our faith. We don't need to go through a priest. We don't need to go through a pastor. We don't need to go through anybody. We go directly to God in prayer and we have access to the creator of the universe. So all that boring stuff in Exodus, and by the way, we start Leviticus Tuesday. It's not, you might say it's boring. The first time I ever read it, I said it's boring. Now when I read it, I see new things. And you'll see the number four appear a lot. You'll see things that you won't understand. But they're all pointing to Jesus. And it's all important. So God wanted us to know beyond the shadow of a doubt. Because, see, believing in something that you can't see, it's very easy at the same time to turn around and say, you know, what if I was wrong? But when you see all of this evidence coming at you, and you see what God has put long before we were ever born, put it together so that we can see it and understand it, you're never going to say, what if I'm wrong? You're going to say, how did I not know that all this time? And I guarantee you that if you continue to read the Bible, you'll pull more out. You'll pull out things that I haven't pulled out. Some of you have. You'll, as you continue to talk to God, as you continue to grow in your relationship with him, he's going to show you things. You're going to get these thoughts and you're going to say, wow, light bulb moment, I understand. These stained glass windows are going to have more meaning to you. Everything's going to mean more the closer you get to Jesus. Because as you get closer to Jesus, you're getting to the Father. It's all for us. It's easy to believe. 
but God makes it even easier to not doubt. Makes it even easier to not doubt. There's so much more because our faith is not blind. People who do not agree with us will tell us that we have blind faith. And you know what? If my faith's blind, okay, I still have it. But our faith is not blind. The evidence is there. The Bible speaks of him everywhere. Everywhere. So, thank you for allowing me to do this little Bible study with you today. I know it's a little different than what I usually do, but I really felt it was important, given the timing of what we're reading in our, our reading right now, and, and just as part of this whole, last week we talked about God the Father as creator, and then today the Son. Next week we're going to really focus on the Holy Spirit, and then we're gonna, <clears throat> I'm going to share a little testimony with you that hopefully will help you draw even closer to relation, in relationship with God. Because without a relationship with God, you can live, you can still go to heaven, but your life will be so much more enhanced on earth the more you seek out a relationship with God. You will get through those trials. It's not that you're not going to have them. You'll get through them a lot easier. You will get through those difficult decisions. They're still going to be difficult, but you're going to know what to do. You're still going to make mistakes, but there's going to be someone there to show you where you, maybe you went wrong in a loving and kind way. It's all about Jesus, and the Bible speaks of him everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for guiding us through this lesson. And, and we pray, Father, that we might, as the days and weeks and months go on, that we can find ways where we'll see the number four. We'll understand the tabernacle. We will see Jesus in the Bible. Help us. Teach us. Guide us. Lord, if one of us strays, come after us. Bring us back. Help us to help one another. Help us to grow and know you more than we ever have in this life, ever before. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Please stand as you are able and turn in your chorus books to page 193. I love you, Lord. 193 in your chorus books. We will sing this through twice. <laughs>